Welcome back to the What's the Breakdown podcast. Join us for today's episode, Wake Up. Hey everyone, it's Ben. Welcome back to the podcast. Good to have you with us today. Today we're going to be talking about this idea of waking up, being aware, being ready. And we're going to look specifically at the book of Romans, um, chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. So if you would, um, let's just go into that and then we'll talk about our topic today. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, the Apostle Paul tells the church in Rome, he says this, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual morality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You know, there's so many Christians today, many of us, myself included, we've tried to decide how God should behave. We've tried to decide how exactly he should receive worship, what worship that we do should he like and not like. Uh, We've decided, we try to decide how he has to show up whenever he does or moves. Um, we've just tried to decide what that must look like, etc. You know, we we act like we want God to move. We act like we want Him to be present in our lives and to have His way. But do we seriously have the mindset of Isaiah? You know, in the book of Isaiah, God says, "Whom shall I send? Who will go for us?" And the prophet Isaiah just stands up and he says, "Send me. I'll go." He doesn't ask any questions. Doesn't ask where. How long is it going to take? How hard is it going to be? What's it going to require of me? All he knows is that God asks him to ask, is looking for someone who's willing, and Isaiah says, "I'll do it. Whatever it is, if you've asked, I'll do it." You know, we're told multiple times in Scripture that we need to wake up, we need to be alert, we need to be ready, we need to be aware, and I think oftentimes we are not, and that's why we don't see God move. We're not watching, we're not ready, we're not looking. We act like we are. We may say we are. We may say we want God to do something great in our lives, but I don't think we I don't think we grasp what that might mean for us. And so I just want to address a couple of things today in light of things that are going on right now in this time period when this podcast is being recorded. First thing is this. If you've been aware or paid attention to social media or to, even to the national news, for that matter, um, God has been moving in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury College. And... Um, it's been, whether you want to call it a revival or awakening or an outpouring or whatever you want to call it, God has been moving for going on two weeks now, almost 24-7. People are coming from all over the country, all over the world, literally, flying from other countries just to come and be in the presence of God. They're filling up multiple chapels on campus there are people that are just bringing chairs and sitting outside on the on the lawn outside of the chapels and worshiping together out there and praying and down on bended knees and it's just been an amazing thing to watch that's been going on. You know, some people are questioning whether or not it's authentic, and uh, I understand that I do because I'm a skeptic first and foremost because I think sometimes we can deceive ourselves and and think that what we're doing is of God, but it's really of us and 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 it feels good, so we assume it is good and. So I'm a skeptic, and uh, as I was watching all this unfold, especially in that first few days, I had um, some people, some friends of mine, some believers who I know where they stand theologically, and I, I, I listened to what they had to say. They went 
to the to the revival, and they they went to Asbury um, to the Hughes Auditorium and experienced what was going on there and participated in that. And based on everything they were telling me and what I was seeing online and, and the videos I was watching, I, I'm I'm convinced. I'm, I'm as convinced as I can be without having been there that it is it is authentic. That it really is God moving in that place. And you know. Everything about it seems to be authentic. You know, it, it happened spontaneously. It wasn't a planned event. Um, the sermon that preceded the, the time of prayer that kind of seemingly jump-started all this was not an emotionally driven sermon. It was just a very straightforward, here's, here's what the Bible says about love, and here's what we're supposed to do, and here's what we need, we need to seek God. And, you know, it wasn't based off emotion. Believers from all over came into the presence of God, and, and they came there to repent. They came there to pray, to worship, to testify about what God is doing, to read Scripture. And ultimately what we see in all this is that people are hungry. You know, it says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. That's Jesus' words himself. And so first thing we have to ask ourselves today is, are we hungry for God? Are we hungry for righteousness? And that's interesting because it's not saying, are you hungry for a feeling? Are you hungry for righteousness? You know, and th- that leads us into the, the next point is that we talk about this outpouring and, and people like, I've got to get to Asbury. I've got to get to Asbury. Or I've got to get up there to Wilmore. And I think it's great if you can go, but we need to remember that the Holy Spirit lives within every believer. And so the question is, why, why there? And then this next question would be, why not here? Wherever you may be when you're listening to this. And ultimately, I think if it started there because God had a plan with it. And I think that's where he, he decided this is where he's going to start this and, and going to move from there, almost like an epicenter, if you will. But, you know, one of the reasons why we miss what God is doing and why sometimes we don't see or we, or we miss out on these opportunities to, for him to uh, really show us what he wants us to do and, and really make himself known to us is because our lives and the sin that's within us blind us from seeing those things. You know, we're called to be holy, the Bible says, that, you know, we are supposed to be like him. First Peter 1 Peter 1.16 says, be holy, therefore, as I am holy. It's God talking. You know, the, most of you are familiar to some extent with Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, where God is talking to Solomon. The context here is not to us. The context is to Solomon and to Israel, the nation at the time. And he tells him, he says, um, if you... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear, I will hear their cries and I will heal their land. You know, the, the premise of that is really important for us, but oftentimes we only hear the first part. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And that's what we act like. That's what we want to do. Like, okay, we'll be humble. We know he's God. We're not God. We, we need to recognize our position before him, and we need to pray for him to move, and we need to seek his face. But it's the next part that, like, precedes him actually hearing us. It says, if you will, turn from your wicked ways. Right? There's things we need to do on our end to be obedient to God, for God to recognize and, and, to, and to move in our lives to change things because, you know, he's commanded us to be holy, and God is holy. So that's why we're supposed to be holy because we're supposed to reflect him. And so... You know, that the passage we read in Romans today tells us we're supposed to wake up from our sleep. He's talking to Christians, and he's like, listen, you are asleep. You need to wake up from your sleep and throw off these deeds of darkness. Throw off this sinful stuff that you're doing, right? Put aside your sinfulness. Repent. Obey God. 
But guys, guys, we got to understand that God opposes the proud. He hates sin. He despises what the wicked do, right? And so the question to you today is what in your life do you need to lay down before God? What in your life is not honoring him? All the filth you may take in on a daily basis from what you watch, what you listen to, what you allow to go on around you, how you interact with other people, your words, your thoughts, your actions that don't honor God. Maybe you're carrying bitterness or resentment towards someone or hate or you're you're lusting or whatever. Whatever is in your life that is not of God, we we have to get rid of that. Right? That's what Jesus died for was those things, not so that we could live them and live in them any longer, but rather so we could be holy, that we could be close to God. Because if we're following God, we're not following sin. If we're following after Jesus, we're moving away from the, the deeds of the flesh. You know, our sin, oftentimes, guys, this is why the, the darkness doesn't like the light. And so when there's darkness inside of us, when there's these areas of our life that are still sinful and still rebelling against God, this flesh. That, that we have this war going on with our flesh and our spirit that Paul talks about. When our flesh senses the light, it shies away from it because the word of God is, is sharpening double-edged sword, the Bible says, and that it even judges the, the thoughts and actions of the heart, thoughts and intents of the heart. And so oftentimes our sin will cause us to shy away from God to where we won't fully submit to him. So we, we may say we want revival. We may say we want him to move but the sin in our life actually makes us not truly mean that in a sense because we don't want to be exposed. We don't want people to see or, or to recognize that there's something imperfect about us, even though we all know that none of us are perfect. That's why we need Jesus. But we are called to live holy, and oftentimes that's what blinds us. But I will tell you this. I do believe God is doing something right now. I believe he's always working, but I think right now people are starting to recognize that there's a tangible movement of God going on. And this is something we've seen all throughout Scripture where where his people rebel and sin and God punishes them and allows them to be destroyed. And then they repent and they come back to him and he moves in a mighty way and restores him. And this happens over and over and over and over again. And we see it as a pattern in, in, in Scripture, and we know that God still moves. God's still saving people. God's still active in the world today. And so, the, so the thing we need to think about today is if God is moving, what does true revival look like? What do we do to get involved with this and be a part of this and, and, and play our part in this? You know, true revival isn't going to look like one particular thing. You know, revival may happen in different churches, different congregations, and it may look differently than Asbury. It may look differently than what's going on out in the yard at Asbury or inside Hughes Auditorium or in people's cars on their way home from from this time they spent with God or whatever it may be. It's going to look differently, but it's all going to honor Jesus. It's all going to give God praise and, and God alone. You know, but it's important to remember, guys, that true revival isn't an event. It's not, it's not even necessarily a group gathering, per se. True revival happens when a believer comes to God. They die to his or herself. They worship him. They seek him. They follow him, and they obey him. And, man, when multiple believers come together, when multiple believers come together seeking God, the Bible tells us where two or more are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. That's why it's so vital that we all do this, that we all daily do this, right? 
Because if we, if we want revival, the Bible's clear that if we seek God with all our heart, we'll find him. If we seek him with all our heart, we'll find him. If we believe his word, if we believe God, then we need to seek him with all our heart because we will find him. You know, this is something for you to think about today as you're listening. The Bible tells us we're supposed to pick up our cross and die to ourselves daily. Okay, so I want you to think about this in the, in the, in the idea of revival, revive, to bring back to life, right? We're supposed to pick up our cross and die daily. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, listen to what it says. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. See, guys, God is in the business of reviving. God is life. Life is in him. Life is in Christ. And so when we come to God, he takes what's dead and makes it alive. And so as we continue to die to our flesh, die to ourself by seeking God, by, by repenting and coming to him, he's going to make us new again and again and again as he's conforming us into his image. We have to come near to God in order to be revived because in him is life. You know, there's an evangelist named Gypsy Smith who was famous for the following phrase. He was talking about revival. Someone basically asked him, you know, how do we get true revival? And I really want this to sit home with you because I've never forgot this, partic- this idea of this phrasing, what he says. He, he says, if you want real revival, go home, take a piece of chalk, and draw a circle on the floor around yourself. Then pray, O oh Lord, revive everything inside this circle. See, guys, revival isn't about what's going on around you. Revival is what's going on within you. And it's actually, it shouldn't be a, a surprising thing, really, if, we, if we're paying attention to the scriptures. It should be a daily thing. And I'm just, I mean, just, just talking to y'all about this, just thinking about this is so convicting to me because I don't seek revival daily. I don't seek him to renew me daily. It's like we, we feel like we've made this decision for him and, and he's made us new and we're like new for good. And yet the Bible clearly tells us we're to continually repent. We're to continue to confess our sins to him. We have to continue to be obedient. We have to continue to conform to his likeness. We have to be transformed by our minds. It's a constant process of him reviving us, continuing to make us new every single day. But it has to start with us. See, what's going on in Asbury that has bled into other colleges and other places is awesome. And, and if you've had the opportunity to attend or you're planning on attending, that's great. I think that's fantastic. But if you're taking your torch to make it to get lit by this fire that God is bringing down, you're getting your torch lit. Why? So you can bring it back and light others. Bring that fire back with you to your church, to your community, to your family. Because... Revival manifests, guys, in a changed life. When you bring that back, it can't just be a feeling you had. It can't just be an experience you had. But rather, if God is truly reviving you, it's because you have died to something that was sinful. You have died to apathy. You have died to um, not caring about things. But rather, he has now made you new again. He He has taken those dead things and brought them to life. So now you love more like him you obey like Christ, you live like Christ, you serve like Christ. And so when you have revival in your life, it will look and it will manifest itself in works. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's what's doing this. And the Holy Spirit produces fruit, not sometimes, but all the time. The fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Bible says against such things there is no law. So if we have revival, if we die to ourselves, if we bring ourselves before God and allow him to shine light on the dark areas of our life and we repent and we, we receive forgiveness and we turn from those things and he brings the, what was dead and brings it to life in us so that it, that it glorifies him, we will seek God. We will praise God. We will bow to and worship God. We will obey God, and we will tell others. True revival is seen by a lost world around us because they see how different we are because of what God is doing in us. But I want you to be aware today. If you want revival, if you truly want revival in yourself so that it manifests into your church and your communities, revival in your spirit means shining a light in all those dark places so that you can bring those dead parts to life. It will not be pleasant, but it will most certainly be worth it. If you're familiar at all with the uh, Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, one of the stories in the Chronicles of Narnia is called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And within that story, you hear about this boy named Eustace. And uh, Eustace, long story short, ends up changing from a boy to a dragon in the story because he's greedy and he's just, he's just a dragon at heart. And he finally realizes he doesn't want to be a dragon anymore, okay? And he talks to Aslan, and Aslan represents Christ. He represents God in the, in the, the book, the story. He's the redeemer, the savior. He's this giant, powerful lion. And the boy wants to be a boy again. And Aslan basically tells him, well, then you need to undress. Talking, He's at, he's at a, a, like a creek or a, a place of water, that he realized if he could just get in that water, he thinks it would restore him and make him new. And he talks to Aslan about this, and Aslan's, well, you got to, you've got to get undressed. And the boy thinks to himself, well, I, I'm a dragon. I don't have clothes on. I'm a dragon. And then he realized, oh, dragons are kind of like snakes. They're kind of like serpents. They could shed their skin. So he thought, I, you know what? I just need to get these scales off. And so he, I'm going to read from the story. You can just follow along this idea of, of what it really requires of us to die to ourselves and be revived by God so that we can be used by him for his glory. This is Eustace talking. He says, So I started scratching myself, and my scales began coming off all over the place. And then I scratched a little deeper, and instead of just scales coming off here and there, my whole skin started peeling off beautifully, like it does after an illness or if I was a banana. In a minute or two, I just stepped out of it. I could see it lying there beside me, looking rather nasty. It was a most lovely feeling. So I started to go down into the well for my bath. But just as I was going to put my feet in the water, I looked down and saw that they were all hard and rough and wrinkled and scaly just as they had been before. Oh, that's all right, I said. It only means I had another smaller suit on underneath the first one, and I'll have to get it off too. So I scratched and tore again, and this underskin peeled off beautifully, and out I stepped and left it lying beside the other one and went down to the well for my bath. Well... Exactly the same thing happened again, and I thought to myself, oh dear, however many skins am I going to have to take off, for I was longing to bathe my leg. So I scratched away for the third time, I got off the third skin, just like the two others, and stepped out of it. But as soon as I looked at myself in the water, I knew it had been no good. He was still a dragon. Then the lion said, but I don't know if it spoke, but he said, you will have to let me undress you. But I was afraid of his claws. I can tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I just lay flat down on my back and let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep 
that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff peel off. You know, if you've ever picked the scab off a sore place. It hurts like billy-o, but it's such fun to see it coming anyway. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I had done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was, lying on the grass, only ever so much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than the others had been. And there was I as smooth and soft as a peeled switch and smaller than I had been. Then he caught hold of me. I didn't like that much, for I was very tender underneath now that I would no skin on. And he threw me into the water. It smarted like anything, but only for a moment. After that, it became perfectly delicious. And as soon as I started swimming and splashing, I found that all the pain had gone from my arm. And then I saw why. I turned into a boy again. See, guys, when we allow God access into our heart and our minds and we listen to what he has to say, he'll show us what needs to die in our life. But we need to ask him to help us. We need to ask him to move in our lives, to forgive us, to to wipe that sin away, to take that out of our life, to change our mind. And it's not going to be pleasant, but I promise you, it will be worth it. So today, you need to allow God to dig and remove your scales. What hurts for a moment will soon bring freedom and joy. I want us to finish today by praying a prayer from the Psalms. And this should, this should be our, our goal. If we want revival, if we want revival, we need to seek God's face. We need to ask this prayer. It's in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And the psalmist says this, Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That should be our prayer because it is high time that we wake up to realize that God has been here all along. God has great plans. He has good works he's planned ahead of time for us to do that he's made us to do in Christ Jesus. But we need to ask him to help us see not just what it is he wants us to do, but what he wants us to die to, what he wants us to get rid of. We need to ask God to show us. So let's pray that together, and then we're going to close out for the day. God, we come to you right now just asking you to search us. Search our hearts, God. We ask for you to test our thoughts, test our minds, test our actions, God. Know our anxious thoughts. God, if there is any offensive way in me, if there's any sin in my life, anything that is not of you, God, we ask that you would just identify it and pull it out into the open, God, that we can put it to death. And we ask that you would help us to do that. You would give us strength, God. You give us self-control. You give us power to do that. And God, and then once you've shown us where we are offending you, we ask you to forgive us. And then lead us in the way everlasting. Help us to leave those things behind as we follow after you. God, revive us today. Revive your church. Revive your people. And God, may we bring as many in as we can. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Guys, it's time to wake up. There's a world around us that needs to know the gospel. 
but they need to see Christians who are living a life that has been redeemed, that has been revived, and that is striving to be holy. Even though we're imperfect, we're striving to be holy. And when we make mistakes, we ask for forgiveness. We repent, and we keep, we get back up, and we keep chasing after Jesus. Guys, I appreciate you joining me today. I hope this has been a blessing for you. I look forward to being back with you again. It's time for Revival. Thank you for joining us today on the What's the Breakdown podcast. We'll see you next time.